that guy's wounds and then bound him up and then put him up on top of, the, of his own beast. He stepped down, put him on that so that he, he was, his burdens were being carried. Nothing changed in that man. But what was put in him was going to do the job. And it eventually did it. And he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. What he's, what he's done in you, it'll come out at some point in time. It'll do his work. That's the faithfulness of God. Uh, I, brother Boy, I love that little presentation and talking about that stuff. Fantastic. I, I, you opened up the thing and said, what did you say? Aloha? Brother Connor? Ni hao? Now, we're going to have a vote here, which is the best greeting. Aloha? Ni hao? Bonus noichi? Is that right? Do I get it? Bonus noichi? Well, that's it, one? Uh, Jeremy's pretty simple. Good night. Good night. So we got aloha, ni hao, buonoisi, good night, and ready? G'day. Which is the easiest one? Come on. <laughs> See, Australians are just so slack. We just, we just shorten everything to make it so lazy and simple for everything. But uh, look, I, I want to talk to you tonight briefly on this uh, topic, which I've, I've simply called giving is for lovers only. And, and I want you to, that song was all about it, the songs we sang is about what I want to deal with here. And, and I want you to think about one of the most famous verses in the scriptures. And uh, most people would have heard it, quoted it, memorized it, uh, heard sermons about it. And everyone can tell me what it is. John 3.16, obviously as you think about that, and, and in the love gift that Jesus Christ provided which was provided by God for the whole world, we've been given love in absolute abundance. And if, you know, someone said, if you only had one message to preach, what would you preach on? And I think everyone, every preacher would say, if I had one message to preach, I'm just going to preach about Jesus. He's the reason for everything that we do. It's all about Jesus. And when you look at that great passage there, you know, it's right smack in the middle of that whole verse, that greatest verse deals with the Son. Everything's about him. This is the love verse of this whole passage and everything centers around him. There's been no other verse that's probably contributed more to the salvation of souls than this verse. Children memorize it. It's affected millions of people. It was the verse of scripture that Billy Graham read out when I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior back in 1979. And he, he put up here, he said, for God so loved, and he said, put your name in there. And I did, and I wrote it on this little card. I still have it to this day. For God so loved Robert. And I put that down there, and it just impacted me. And it's just descriptive of so many things. That whole text revolves around 10 words God loved, world gave, son, whosoever believeth, perish, have life. Which one are you going to take? And you think about when God started the creation, 10 times he said, and, and God said. When God gave the 10 commandments, he gave 10 commandments and 10 words. Everything sits here for us to understand. God is a God who wants to demonstrate to us that he has this incredible love for every single one of us. And everything revolves around the heart of God and his love for people. And I want to talk to you tonight on this idea that giving is for lovers only. Giving is for lovers only. You guys are getting involved with Faith Promise Missions. And you're going to get involved with giving towards helping people. And you've already done that in that area. And this text just reminds us, for God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave from there. And just think about for a moment who it is that loved this world. 
just just pause, stop stop for a moment back up the, the lock the door of familiarity and i want you just to think through this this is god the eternal god the self-existing god the uncreated god the needing nothing god the god who's all-knowing the god who's all-powerful all-present the god who revealed himself in so many names now comes out and said, I want to reveal myself in another incredible way and I'm revealing myself in love. And when you think about missions and your revival for missions, if it doesn't begin with the concept that I'm going to be giving because I'm a lover, then I'm missing what the whole picture and the example of what God is about. And he describes his love with a simple word, a little adverb in the beginning here. He turns around and said, for God, what? So loved. This is how he describes it. This is a measurement. This is, he said, I don't know if you can comprehend this, but God absolutely so loved. See, it's one thing to be loved. It's another thing to be so loved. And this is the description of what God is saying. And, and every one of you here tonight would have a story of, the, of being so loved. And it could be a different story, but somewhere along the side, you have to stop and say, God, you have so loved me. And you have demonstrated that. And God, when he comes to this concept of his love and, and reaching us, he connects it with finances. And he uses a term when he's talking about this so love. He says, I'm going to talk about this love in a term called redemption. That I'm going to buy you back. And so when we think about his love, his love has a connection even to finances. That God is saying, I'm a giver, I'm a lover, and I'm a redeemer. And so when you think through different verses, he talks about that this is for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but you were redeemed. You were brought back by the, by the precious blood of Jesus. He didn't use money, he used himself and gave himself for us. Revelation tells us again that he's redeemed us to God. He's using this term to say, I'm, I'm interested in giving. I'm the one who is the great giver but your giving has to be connected with love. And he says again that you have redemption through his blood. And he tells us he's bought us with a price. God is very interested in giving, and he's the one who demonstrated from the beginning, but everything he did had a correlation with love. And there has to be a correlation between loving and giving. If we, if, if we forget the loving and we just get involved with the giving... It's not going to be what God intends for us in what you do with anything to do with missions, what you do with any giving within life. Because if you are just a, a giver without being a lover, you're going to miss out on the blessing and the intent of what God said. Because, because what, this is what love will do. Love will make you give. You, you cannot be a, a lover and not want to be a giver. This is what's going to take place. My, my wife likes a few things down at the shops at times, Jenny does, and do I enjoy going down to the shops? Absolutely not. I don't really enjoy it. Some people say, what's wrong with you? I, don't, I, don't, I just don't enjoy doing it. But if she wants something and I'm looking for something, I'll go down there and here's what makes me go and do that. It's love makes me want to give that. Whether it's a little child who's drawing a, an ugly picture and gives it to the mum or gives it to the dad. You look at it and think, man, that's a disgusting picture. But the mum or the dad looks at it and says, that is incredible artistry. You're the, you're the next Michael. You, you're, you're an incredible artist. Look at this. And because they realize 
that kid gave that drawing and drew that drawing with love. And there is a connection between that. And here is when we think the great connection. See, love makes you want to give. Jesus went to the cross and he said, I'm doing this because I love this world. This is the general, this is what he's he's talking about. And and if you give under any other stimulus, it's going to be ineffective. And so as we begin this thing, Jeremy started off this morning and we're talking about this idea of giving. We want to make sure that we are, we are givers that understand that givers truly are lovers only. And I want to sort of get this into our heart and mind. I want you to go to the scriptures. I'll pull it up here on the screen as well. But I want you to look at this verse here and examine your motive for giving. Examine your motive for giving. If you come to uh, Jude, I'm going to throw a couple of references up here rather than the whole thing, but... We have to ask ourselves, why, why am I getting involved with this little thing here? Why am I going to do this? Well, I do it every year, so I may as well do it again. Mm-mm, wrong motive. Well, I better do it, otherwise if preacher asks me, I'll feel a bit guilty if I actually have to lie to him and tell him I'm not doing it. Mm-mm, wrong motive. Well, I better do it because it's sort of the dumb thing. Wrong motive. We want to say, God, why am I doing this thing? And you want, to, you want to put a figure on this because you're motivated by absolute love. You want to have this love behind it. Look in Jude here. Here is what he says. He said, these, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own what? Lusts. And having their mouths speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. How that they told you, this is down to about verse 18 now, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the spirit. And you say, what, that, what, what on earth that got to do with anything? I, I put that verse in there because it demonstrates something. There are some people who were giving great flattering words, encouraging people potentially, doing what they were doing, and they were giving something but they were doing it completely out of lust. Now, lest you limit the word lust in the definition to think sexual only, you understand lust is a desire for anything that is an improper thing or or you're buttering someone up or you're wanting something. And they were using and giving their words, but they were giving it so that they could get an advantage and get something from a person because they were lusters, not lovers. Both, they they were giving, but they were giving out of lust to get something and get an advantage. You say, well, how does that connect to us? See, love is about giving. Lusting is about getting. And there is a big difference between the two as you think about it. And there is a massive difference in this area because lust is focused on my gratification. I'm giving something because I have an ultimate, I have an ultimate agenda. I want to get something. I want an advantage out of this. And sometimes you can be giving, but you're still giving out of lust. And that's the wrong motivation. You can get involved with this, and you can think about two people sitting here. You could have Zoe and Chloe sitting right here, and both of them could give. And one could be a lover, and one could be a luster, and they do exactly the same thing. They put, they say they both put $10 down on this. And Sunday plate comes around, they both put $10 in, They both could give $10 and they've given, but one has been a giver who's a lover 
and one may have been a giver who's a luster. And you say, well, what's the difference between it? See, what takes place is uh, you, you, some people give, and they give hoping to get an advantage out of it. Hoping I'm going to get something back out of this, and here's what often happens with that. When I don't get the advantage that I'm intending through my giving, I eventually stop. See, lust, in whatever area where it's, where it's acted out upon, never lasts long. It, it wears itself out in different things. And, and I can show you two people. I can show you a lover and a luster, and in principle, they're doing the same thing in different, in different realms of this world, and this is what happens. But one wears out and one lasts indefinitely because one of it is real love. And real love gives out of a love for that area, whereas some people, they don't give simply, they only give because they're looking for some advantage. Don't become a giver involved in missions, thinking, well, I've been given the missions, I've been given the missions, God, you need to give back to me. That's a wrong motivation in our giving from there. Whereas one person could turn around and say, you know, God, I just love you, Lord, uh, with whatever, blessing or without blessing, job or no job. I just thank you, God. Everything belongs to you. And I'm just giving my offering. I'm getting involved with these things because I want to be a lover. And giving is for lovers only. That's why when you go to the judgment seat of Christ, dear Christian, God is not judging what you do. He's judging why you did it. Why, why you got involved with this. Was it because you said, you know, I've been motivated by love. This is what's driven my heart from here. And, and God isn't measuring the size of a gift. God is measuring the size of a heart. And he's saying, I'm looking for lovers. I'm looking for people who are like me and, and examine our motives as we get involved with these things and, and get behind it. So the question I have as we begin this thing, am I a lover or, or am I a luster? And may God help us say, I want to be a lover. And not secretly be giving, whether it be to a person, whether it be in a relationship, whether it be in, in church work, whether it be in giving towards missions, and secretly having a desire saying, I'm giving, but I'm expecting something back. And when nothing comes back, then all of a sudden I'm starting to drop out. Uh, you all know people who have done this in life. We've done it at different periods of time where I've given with an expectation to get. And that's, that's really like an extortion towards God and God saying, I'm not in that. I didn't give my son and say, well, I'm now expecting you to give something back to me. He just simply gave because that's what lovers do. Here's the second thing I want you to jot down. We need to express our love through giving. And I want you to go back to the book of Genesis right now, from the back of the Bible back to the front. Genesis chapter 2. And I want to just uh, look at the, the expression of our love. God showed us from the very beginning how much he loved mankind. Before Calvary ever came to pass, obviously it was in the mind of God, he showed us how much he loved because that's who God is. God is a lover. Therefore, he's a giver in what he does from here. When God created the garden and set man in that garden, he meticulously created earth with all its wonders. And the Bible tells us this in verse 2, chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden. This is God. Have you ever imagined what this is like? But God himself, how many of you gardeners here? Any green thumbs? How many cement thumbs? Concrete thumbs? A few of us? 
How many just want to concrete everything in your yard so there's never any greenery anywhere for a few people? Uh, uh, the God turns around, and this is a God garden. You know, I just love the fact that God's a gardener. When I was in uh, Israel last year in November, and I was at the garden tomb and walking around the tomb, looked over to see Gol- Golgotha and where, where Jesus was uh, crucified, and then looked back, standing there in the garden. The gardener of the garden tomb was there. And I thought, I'm going to get a photo with the gardener. He's a pretty important bloke. I want to stand there and got a photo with this gardener. Because when Jesus resurrected, remember that? They, they supposed he was the gardener. He's a great gardener. And God is a gardener. And he's made this whole place. And he, he made this eastward. And then he said, I'm going to do something. He just created the world. He said, I'm going to do something more. Because I'm a lover. And I want to express my love. And I'm going to express it by giving. So I'm going to make even something even more special than what I've just created. And we lived in the sin-cursed world, and he already created the perfect world, and then he turns around and says, let me put perfect on top of perfect, and create a garden. He put man in there, and in that little garden, he turns around and he said, there's everything that's pleasant, stuff that's good. I mean, this thing must have blown Adam's mind although he had no point of reference to say anything was different, but he's just saying there's something amazing. And he built a garden. I'll tell you why he did it. He did it because God placed man in a garden as an expression of his absolute love because God is a lover and God is a giver. That's what he does from there. And some things we have to remember is this, that as you and I think about God, God says, I've shown my love to you. I've expressed my love to you even in creating a garden for Adam and Eve. God looks for different ways to bless you. God does things, and all of you can probably say, well, I haven't got a garden of Eden, but I've had this from God. I know he's shown an expression of love to me in this area of my life or in this area of my life, and it's like my own little garden of Eden that I've just just experienced an expression of the love of God that he's given that to me because everything I have Everything I own, everything I use is simply just an expression of what God has done to me and shown me. Because all of us know this, no matter how talented you think you are or how gifted you think you are, we could, any one of us could be in the crack house tonight if it wasn't for the love of God and his expression of love to us. Amen? And this is where it is. And, and he cared for Adam. He loved Adam. And therefore, he gave. Because this is what our God does. Our God gives his best to those he loves. That, that's who he is. And, and he just pours everything out. And sometimes we, we fail to value the gifts that people give and therefore we don't make this correlation between love. And sometimes we need to be reminded again, that's why it's great to sit back and, and think about our Savior and we'll think about the expressions of love that God has poured upon us and never miss those blessings. Because if you and I can understand that, that, that love expresses itself, then when I come to get involved in this stuff, I start to stop and think, hang on, why, why am I doing this? And then how can I express my love? How can I do something like God did and, and create a Garden of Eden for some other person? What can I do as an expression of my love to help these missionaries, to help those people and, and express my love like what God did? And realize this is how I'm doing it. Because sometimes I said, we miss the value of gifts. There, there was a little boy who came into the kitchen one evening and came to his mum while she was fixing the dinner. And he handed her a piece of paper he'd been writing on it. 
And this is what the paper said. She wiped her hands on her apron, read the paper, and it says this. For mowing the grass, $5. For making my own bed this week, $1. For going to the store, 50 cents. For playing with baby brother while you went shopping, 25 cents. For taking out the garbage, a dollar. For getting a good report card, $5. For raking up the yard, $2. And he handed her like a bill to his mum. Now she looked there and uh, he was standing expectingly, waiting to get something. And then a thousand memories flashed through her mind. And so she picked up the piece of paper and turned it over. And she wrote, For the nine months I carried you, growing inside, no charge. For the nights I set up and doctored you, and, and doctored with you and prayed with you, no charge. For the time and the tears and the cost through the years, no charge. For the nights filled with dread and the worries ahead, no charge. For advice and the knowledge and the cost of your college, no charge. For the toys, the food and the clothes and for wiping your nose, no charge. Son, when you add it all up, the full cost of my love is no charge. He finished reading it and he just had great tears in his eyes and looked up at him and said, Mum, I sure do love you. Then he took the pen and on the other side he wrote in big letters, paid in and sometimes we don't value, at times, the expression of God's love to us. And we ought to stop and say, God, you have been so loving to us. In the small little details of life, it's just another expression of the Garden of Eden to us. When you look around and see what God has done, and I want to I challenge us as we begin this week and ask ourselves, am I a lover after God's pattern? A am I somebody who looks for opportunities to express my love? because of what God has done, because of who he is, and, and think about my motivation. I mean, you think about in Eden. I mean, all their needs were met without sweat. When they went to sleep at night, fruit was growing on the trees as an expression of God's love. That, these things were taken all around him because God expressed his love in simply just supplying, and he still does that. Our God supplies all your love, your needs. And this comes back to an attitude of gratitude to say, God, you're an incredible lover. And he says, because giving is for lovers only, son. And, and that's what I've demonstrated to you. And, and I want you to be like me. And, and, and all of us, you think about if you're a parent here tonight, uh, you, you don't want to see your children in need. It bothers you if you see your, your children in trouble or in need. And, and I'm not talking about, about buying an extra Xbox controller or something for them. I'm, I'm talking about like when they're in real trouble. Well, don't you think it... When you think about God and he looks at his children and, and sees their needs, there, there is a God who says, I just want to express my love to us in different ways. And, and you say, well, what type of lover is he? He's a very mature lover. See, if you want to understand what godly maturity is, you just become a giver. I, we could stand up here and talk about giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, but one of the great things we simply have to become more is more like God. Because as I become more godly, I become a giver. It's a natural thing, and we know how to do it. We know how to do it. My eldest son, Ben, and uh, some of you know Ben, and uh, he's just an incredible blessing, and he preached for me last night back at home, and uh, my wife texted me this morning, early this morning, and she just said,
Kier said, Rob, you've got to go on and watch Ben. It was just an amazing. God was just all over him, all over the service. And I look at Ben and just thank God for him. And uh, I, I want to do anything I can for him. Because God, like love, gives. Now, obviously, he's my son. And I want you to think about God looking at you as his child. He wants to do that. When, when my son was first born, when that area that happened, it was, a, uh, it was an amazing experience. It was an amazing experience. <clears throat> Jenny and I had our firstborn kid, and he's, he was Ben, but we were, we were 20 years old. We were young. I didn't know how to care for, my, care for myself, let alone care for a human. And I'm thinking, man, I've got a human coming into this world. What am I going to do? And I, uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't properly prepared to, to even witness the, the entering of a human into the world. I mean, it was just a, a bit of an ordeal for me. And Anyway, Jenny was overdue and she was uh, a little bit, you know, gone past the baking time, you know, it should have happened and all these things. And so she was put into hospital and she was going to be induced in the morning. And so I went home to my little flat and to my little apartment. I had my best mate with me. And as, as young fellas, we did the appropriate thing and we didn't have Xbox or any computer games in those days. So we moved all the furniture out of the lounge room, out of the living room. We kicked everything out and we just played cricket inside the house because that's what she would do. And uh, we, we did that and we were having a great time. And I, and I was thinking, this, this, this fatherhood stuff's pretty easy. I just simply, my wife's up in hospital. She's going to be induced at eight o'clock in the morning. I got a good night's sleep, wake up, drive up to the hospital, bang, sweet, I got a baby, I'm a dad. That's what I'm thinking. Well, then a, a car pulls up in our driveway close to midnight because our cricket game got quite intense, you know, and we were kind of right into this cricket, indoor cricket in, our, in, in my home, and, and it was my mum's car. See, I, we didn't have a telephone in those days, and, it was my, and my mum did, and the hospital had rung my mum to say that Jenny had gone into labour. And I'm thinking, oh, great, I don't even get to have a sleep. I mean, I always thought I was going to have a sleep. And now I've got to go, I don't even, I'm going to, I, well, I'm not going to go up there without sleep. Such a selfish individual, you know. So I, I head up to the hospital and, I mean, it was, it was an amazing situation, a very, very hard labor. She was in labor for 14 hours. I mean, it, it was a difficult birth. And then the, the doctor realized, they called the head doctor down and he had to do certain stuff. And next thing, he's called students down and, there's like a whole range of medical students watching and I was ready to charge admission fees because I think, man, this is, this is, they're all out here watching what's taking place. And then all of a sudden, bang, the kid's born. And I was holding Jenny's head up and doing the breathing thing and, and that sort of stuff. And as I'm watching and as soon as Ben's born, I dropped Jenny's head with her. I thought, what on earth? And it was just blowing my mind. And then for the next week, she's in hospital and I went, I went up each day, went home, good night's sleep, Baby's in the nursery, and I started to think, this is a great setup. They just take care of him. Uh, tell me when he starts talking. I'll see you then, and I'll be, I'll be all done. Wonderful. They took care of him. What a great life. And all of a sudden, they said, well, now you can take him home. And I said, what? Where are we? Where are we? What, what are we doing now? And then you can take him. Are you, are you coming? And they said, and I'm saying, take him, take him where? And they said, it's time to take him home from here. And I had to take him outside into the air. I'm thinking, I've got to take this little boy outside. And I, what do you mean I'm taking him out? He's got to suck in real air. What's happening here? And I'm getting a little bit nervous as a dad. And can, can he handle it? 
And I remember carrying him outside of the hospital and I've, I've got him in this thing and I'm carrying him outside and someone was smoking a cigarette about 20 metres away, about 20 yards away from me and I went, hey, I've got a baby here, stop smoking. And I think, I've got to look after this little kid and they're, they're saying, what's wrong with you? And I say, what's wrong with you? I mean, this is a baby, look at this thing. And, and we come to the car and, and I, think, I said, Jenny, can we really put him in a car? I mean, this is a little human, look at this little thing, how do we do this? And we approached the car and I remember putting him in and they didn't have baby seats back then so we had to put the bassinet in and sort of weave what we could ever do with the seatbelt around it and, and I'm thinking this isn't safe, there's no way this is safe and, and I'm driving down, down the road back, getting him back down there and I'm looking in the rear vision mirror, looking back there and I'm thinking there's that little kid, look at his little guy, little guy sitting in the back seat there, I mean look at this, it's amazing and I'm driving back and and cars are speeding, so I'm honking at them and thinking, hey, I've got a kid in here. You know, what's wrong with you? And um, they're speeding by, and, and then I finally get him home, and we're home, and, and you know, I wasn't prepared for all this, you know, and, and there he is feeding from his mum, and I'm thinking, this is weird, he's sharing my wife, this is really crazy, I'm getting, this is nuts, and then Jenny said, well, Rob, um, and we set up a little room thing, and she said, uh, you need to put him to bed. I said, hang on, what, what, what in another room? You, you mean you're going to leave this little kid in another room? What sort of mother are you? I mean, seriously. Right? <laughs> and so we, we put him in his cot, or I think you call them cribs, and he's looking up at me, and there's little Benny. And I said, well, okay, buddy. All the best. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll see you in the morning. Rookie mistake. I should have said, see you in an hour. And, and, and I should have realized that. Well, well, the next few weeks, I'm just wondering what on earth happened here and our whole lives have changed and, and something new has emerged, but we just simply gave to men. And whatever it was, my focus had changed and it was just all about that. And the only thing I could do was express my love and through constantly giving and, and, and I, he could never give anything back. He's a little kid. And all I could do as a dad was just do anything I could and just give and give time and sacrifice and everything. And I did it because I had a duty. I did it because I didn't want my wife to get mad at me. I did it because I didn't want to look like a bad dad. I did it because I wanted to have a good reputation. I did it so my, my brother and my sister would, would think I was a good person. You know why I did it? I did it because I loved. So we know we can do this because we do it with our kids. And so when I think about this, what my giving does and what, what happens is I expose my love by my choices. When you come back to that passage in Genesis, you read through chapter 2, God turned around and we know the passage and he said, you can have everything but, but one tree. He said, I'll give you everything. I, I love you. But, but that one tree, don't, don't, just don't, don't touch that. If you, if you eat that portion, which is my portion, you're pushing me out of the place that I ought to be in. And I, I, your discipline over this one tree is going to show your love for me. And you'll expose your love through your choices. 
Paul later wrote, and he says, ah, I'm talking about giving, and he said, this, I want you to prove something. I want you to prove your sincerity. And I want to prove, I want to see that you prove the sincerity of your love by what you choose to give to. I was in Beth Sheehan, which is a place from, from uh, Capernaum. You walk from Capernaum down, as you're walking back down, if you're going to walk the journey that Jesus walked down to Jerusalem, bypassing, getting around Samaria. And I was walking through Beth Sheehan, and uh, the guide was with us, and we came across a, some of the big Roman columns. It was an incredible city, the ruins. And he said, oh, I see down here, it's got this statement, Sincera, Sincera. He said, do you know what that means? And I'd read about it. And I said, I, I, that, that means sincere in Latin. He said, you, he said, it's true. And what they used to do was the, they would carve different pictures or carvings of emperors and carve things. And if it was a pure carving that had no faults in it, they would write sincere. If it was a bad carving, they'd fill it up with wax so it would sort of where there was mistakes in it. But if it was sincere, it was, it was just complete and pure. And God's saying, I, I just want to see whether you're fair income, whether you're real. I want you to prove this. And you'll prove your love. And you'll expose yourself in what you do and how you show your love. You know when you fill this thing out? When you fill this out, it's exposing something. It'll expose you. Now, no one will see it. God, you do. And I'm not saying that to guilt anyone. I'm simply saying, this is what we do. What you do for your family, what you do for those in whom you love, you expose yourself. The devil comes along to Eve in that garden and seduces her. Seduces her through words, knowing that women love to communicate. And he communicates, talks. And he's, he basically says, uh, uh, I want you to put yourself first. She does. And she was deceived. Then Adam had a choice. Adam had a choice as to how will he place his love. Do I love my wife? Or do I love God? And he loved them both. But he had to make a choice as to which would come first. What a choice. Do I let my wife die? Because God said she's going to die if he's eaten that thing. And do I keep you first, God? And it's not that he didn't love God. He did, but God never came first, and we are all suffering the consequences of that choice, because our choices expose our love, and it exposed them. Adam, you could have everything, but just not that one thing, because the moment you take that one thing, you've exposed your, you've exposed your love through your choice. And you don't love me first. See, giving proved some things. One of the great stories of giving is the story of Hosea. 
If you know that story, it was an illustration that had been given. Hosea was a, the Bible records that his wife had uh, gone off into adultery and gone off into prostitution. And then God told Hosea, I want you to go back and find that woman. She's an adulteress. She's gone off into harlotry. But I want you to get her and bring her back according to the love of the Lord. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to buy her back, redeem her. I sort of wonder what Hosea must have thought. He loved this woman that had kids. God blessed their union as a husband and wife and had a little, little boy and later on had a little girl. Then after that had their third child, another little boy. But one day, Gomer, that's his wife's name, decided to leave him. And she's left. She's pleaded, he's pleaded, the kids have pleaded with their mother, Mom, come back, come back to Dad. My brother's wife just left him three months ago and I spent the night before I flew here and talked with him for hours and had dinner with him. After 15 years and he's saying, I don't know what to do. And I wondered, Hosea's there saying, well, what do I do? She's gone. And she's gone off, started off with one of my friends. And now she's going into some stuff and, and years pass by. And the strong shoulders of Hosea start to droop. Those dark locks of hair are starting to gray. Those feet that used to walk quite swiftly are now moving slowly. He's been alone for many years. And God says, you need to go find your wife and buy her back. She's down the auction for slaves. Hosea walks down and watches as people are bidding for slaves. A young woman walks up on the slave block and disheveled but young. And people bid big money for her and snap her up. And an older lady, looking pretty worn out, stands up there and the auctioneer says, well, what am I going to get for this? And there she is in rags and tattered. And back in the corners, Hosea. He said, could it be? It looks like Homer. This is my wife. This is Mr. Auctioneer. I'll, I'll be here. I, I, I'll pay for it. And the auctioneer says, well, no one else is bidding. She's yours. And, and I wondered as Hosea picks up Gomer, she says, why'd you do this? He said, because I love you. And he told me to love you like the Lord loved us. Because giving is for absolute lovers only. God is saying, would you, would you be a lover? And, and when you get involved with this, it's not, just a, it's not just a card. It's an expression of love. 
And God said, that's what I'm looking for. Because I want you to look at your motive. Be a lover. Don't be a luster. And I want you to express your love through opportunities to give. And then I want you to think about your choices you make because we, we really expose our love. And could we expose our love to say, God, you are first. And you brought me back. I was Goma. I was the one that you brought back. And God is an expression of my love to you. I'm going to give. Because giving is what lovers only. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I think as we begin this conference today, Jeremy's told you really stories that were expressions of people's love for him. Brother Billy got up and spoke about the, the cost to, to look after a building. People have given to help towards that and and may gifts that are given be given as expressions of, of love. Say, God, I want to be a lover. Help me be a lover like you. Help me be a lover that loves like you do. Help me be a Hosea that wants to reach out to people whom you love. Help me give expressions of love. Father, we just thank you again for your word. Thank you for the illustrations. Well, thank you for what we learned from Adam and Eve and the consequences of our choices. And Lord, thank you what we learned from Hosea and his wife, Goma. And God, we just ask that you would help us this week be lovers like you. And God, help us understand that you loved, therefore you gave. And Lord, we ask everything we do this week, we'd examine it and filter it through that lens. That God, I want this to be an expression of my love. Why don't we stand together? And I didn't plan on giving an invitation, but I don't see how you cannot give an invitation. I know I need one. If you do, let's take a couple of minutes. Feel free to join me at the altar. Just ask God to begin to continue this work in our hearts. Givers is for lovers only. What a powerful message.